After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Ben Badler, I'm John Manuel, coming to you from Baseball America World Headquarters here in Durham, North Carolina. And just to show you what this podcast is going to be about, while I was watching the ACC tournament, Ben was making phone calls, working the phones on international prospects. So we're going to talk a little international prospects. Of Ben's had an epic rundown of international players and the 2010 signing of international players on BaseballAmerica.com all week. What is it, wrapping up the first of next week, I guess, Ben? Yeah, we're going to wrap it up early uh, next week. we got the AL West still to come, and we've got a uh, another list coming up after that, too, with some of the top prospects to watch from the – Dominican Summer League and the Venezuelan Summer League. You know, we put a lot of focus on some of the unsigned prospects. Right. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear reports on them from scouts, but, you know, these are the ones who are actually on the field getting it done. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm actually more interested in, in some of those guys rather than, you know, some of the players who signed. But, you know, we don't have as much, and, and, and really the teams don't have as much information on them Absolutely. compared to some of the DSL and the VSL guys who, you know, the teams – you know, not only you know the stats mean maybe a little bit, but for the most part, it's it's being able to get to know the players more, work with them, get them some professional instruction. Yep. You know, all of a sudden, the kid goes from you know throwing 88 to throwing you know 94, 95, or or the coach is helping with some other aspect of his game, and you know he takes off. These kids are, are still young, in in a lot of these cases, so it's uh, some of those kids I, I think are more interesting to me almost than some of. Uh, uh, you know, all, all of the un- or all of the first year uh, signed for 2011 guys Absolutely. that we've been uh, writing about at BA. Guys, you know a little bit more about, and these are all guys uh, that are going to well, not all guys, but a lot of the guys who come out of these complex leagues are going to be guys that you see in t- 2011. Uh, some of them will be debuting. Uh, very few, I would say, will debut in a full season in, in 2011. But these are the guys you're going to see go to the Gulf Coast League and pop up on Gulf Coast League top 20 prospect list. Some of these guys, if they're really good, are going to uh, maybe go Gulf Coast League and finish a year in a short season league, uh, advanced rookie or New York Penn or Northwest League, those kind of guys. I mean, uh, Gary Sanchez was an example of that. And I know that a lot of the organizations uh, take it differently. Some go slower on that process and some speed that process up. So we're going to try to take a, a step back, try to take a big picture view of what some of these clubs are doing internationally. Ben, one of the things that uh, – and obviously this is – these, especially the DSL and VSL stuff, these are things that we've talked about doing in the past. I think one year Chris Klein tried to do it, and the handbook got in the way, and everything else got in the way, and then inertia. We've never done it. We just do what you usually do. We have a lot of that that seeps in here, Baseball America. So what you're doing is really kind of unprecedented, which is why it's so cool. Um, but let's 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 go right to the top. 
the thing that gets seems like the most hits that you get on Twitter or whether the blog posts that get the most comments are when guys sign for a lot of money. It seems like team people want to know about their team. What did their team do? How did their team do? How active is their team? And uh, you were able to put together an estimate, basically, and it's a pretty uh, obviously pretty good information estimate of what all 30 clubs spent uh, internationally in 2010. Let's start with the top and then take a little look at the bottom as well and what organizations were the big spenders. And at the top of this, you know, the Mariners, Yankees, Astros, Pirates, Athletics uh, are your top five spenders. All those teams spending $4.5 million and up. Um, obviously, the A's at 4.73. They spent almost that much on one player a couple of years ago in Michael Anoa. But let's, let's start at the top of the Mariners. And as long as I've been at BA, uh, ancient history now, um, they've been so active internationally. And it really seems like it all goes back, Ben, to, to Bob Engel. Uh, with, the, with the Mariners, why do you think uh, – what makes them so successful internationally? What is, 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 it, is it Bob? Is it all his scouts? Or does it really does it start from the top maybe with the fact they're owned uh, in part by uh, Japanese uh, investors? Uh, you know, I, I think just think they have a, uh, a lot of scouts who've been not just in, in the Dominican Republic and, and Venezuela for a long time, but in, in, in Europe and in Asia as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have, uh, you know, the teams who have been – Doing this the longest and have been committing the most resources to this for the longest amount of time are the ones that are having the uh, you know the most amount of success. You know, you look at what the the Mariners have done and, and what the Yankees have done. You know, the you know the Yankees have scouts who've uh, you know guys at the top who are excellent excellent scouts who've right. been doing this for a long time who have a track record in this game. So it's been a focus for that organization for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you go back to you know. Obviously, Ichiro at the big league level was a, you know, a, a direct to the majors guy. But even you know, uh, Shinsu Chu right. was a, a signing for them. He was a, a big dollar signing at the time. And, yeah, one point three three million dollars, I think, if I remember correctly. And he was, and he was everybody was in on him. He was in Edmonton. He led Korea <clears throat> to a junior world championship, and he pitched and hit. I mean, everybody was in on him. I bet you the Mariners. I haven't researched that one. I bet the Mariners were not even the top bid for him. I bet other teams spent more money but my experience with the Mariners has always been that they are willing to spend the money but that they don't always spend top dollar because they don't have to they don't have to be the biggest bid because they have these relationships with players and they seem like they sell very well their track record of developing international players yeah I think uh that's that's part of it too you have to you know if if you're a 16 year old kid or or you're the parent of a 16 year old kid in the Dominican Republic you know, I, I don't know how much they think about this. I think a lot of the times it's just how quickly can we sign and and help our our families in, in a right. lot of the cases. But you know, at the same time, you know, not every family in, in the DR or Venezuela is is like that. But uh, you know, it varies from case to case. But if you sign at 16, you're probably if if everything goes according to plan and you make the big leagues, you're probably going to be in the minor leagues for. Five to seven years, right. if you're going to make the big leagues by the time you're 21 to 23, and then the, you're going to be in the major leagues with that same team for another six to you know maybe seven years. Right. So you're talking about the next next 10 to 15 years of your life. Yeah. Obviously, you get traded or, or released or, or 
you know, other things can sure. you can move around to a different organization. But you could be locked. Means, but you could be locked in for a yeah. decade plus without organization. And and and, and management is and front office is going to turn over. But you should want to feel pretty good about the organization that you're going to be spending uh, possibly the next ten to fifteen years uh, of your life with. So you know, bottom line is, yeah, almost all the time the the most money is is going to be the most important factor. But you know, those relationships. And some of the uh, you know other tie-ins that you can do to show that you're not that you know how to to develop and take care of your Latin players is, is certainly uh, or or your international players, right. especially if you're bringing in uh, you know Asians. Asian players. Yep. You know you know the the A's just signed a, a catcher from uh, South Korea for I think it was a uh, five hundred ten thousand dollars. Right. You know it's now you're talking about. You know that that's not a really an organization that's done a lot over in that region. So to be able to bring in a guy like that and have him learn how to catch a pitching staff of of people who speak uh, Spanish, people right. who speak English, uh, you know, it's it's that's tricky. So it's uh, you know I'm interested to see how that you know they're able to develop him. But you know certainly the Mariners, uh, you know the Yankees, and and some other organizations who have you know track records with players from all over the world, the Twins. Right. Uh, especially in in Europe and and the Pacific Rim, uh, you know these are organizations that have history being able to develop these guys. So it's I think it does give them. It's not uh, you know again the money is almost always the most important thing. Right. But that can certainly be uh, helpful for certainly the teams. Se- certainly seems like the Mariners are are willing to spend, and they're always in that mix. They're not like they're the fourth or fifth bidders, but they. You know, I don't, maybe I'm thinking too much of the Felix Hernandez situation where supposedly other teams like the Braves. Offered more money, but uh, you know they they seem like they have such a good track record of developing those players as well. I mean, before he got hurt, uh, I mean, I always loved Jim Callis' line about Chris Snelling. Uh, he was the Australian Pete Reeser, you know, a guy who <laughs> flashed a talent but never could stay healthy enough to uh, to be a, an impact major leaguer. Um, you know, they've signed players from all over the world, um, and it just like you said, they they seem like they're the organization that is uh, most cosmopolitan. Every every organization has had fits and starts or stretches where they've had good international signings, not so good, or they've had a, a hot streak in one country or another one. I don't think anyone else can match the Mariners for Europe. I mean, Greg Hallman, I know, hasn't necessarily worked out, but Alex Liddy, mm-hmm. uh, Curacao, Panama, Colombia. Nicaragua. Everywhere. They are everywhere. I mean, it's it's amazing the reach of the uh, Mariners organization. Uh, another thing that stood out in this chart, Ben, are your top ten. I should go down a uh, – uh, and top ten uh, the, uh, organizations in terms of amount of money they spent. Astros, Pirates, and Athletics really are the three organizations that stick out as not having been tremendously active in the past. Let, let's start with the, it seems like the Astros and Pirates. Uh, first, they're obviously both in the same division. But I guess the other common link there is that both those organizations have really started investing a lot more money before they could sign the players, they were investing in infrastructure, I guess, in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, those teams both uh, both built new academies in the Dominican Republic last year, and uh, you know they spent a lot of money on the academies, and they spent a lot of money on players to, to put the, in right. those academies. You know, the Pirates with Heredia and the uh, the Astros with Ovando; those guys aren't going to play uh, in the academies. But you know, you know, I think Ovando was probably there for their their Dominican instructional league. Yeah. Um, you know, and they put, uh, you know, the Astros had some bunch of interesting guys uh, playing on their DSL team who they signed last year. You know, Jose Montero is a 
right-hander who gets comps to uh, Simone Castro. Uh, you know, I think he's going to probably be one of the top prospects in the Gulf Coast League next year. So, you know, the the Pirates obviously were heavy on Miguel Sano right. a couple of years ago. They probably, last two years ago, probably would have been their, uh, their big international coming out party if they had uh, been able to sign him. But, uh, you know, they weren't, but I think it still looks good for them that Sano is... Uh, has come as advertised. Right. It, it shows make, that they know what they're doing, yeah. and, and not that not that they need it, because obviously Rene Gallo, who used to be with the uh, Indians directing their international p- department, has a pretty impressive track record with yeah. the uh, Victor limited Martinez, budget. Victor Martinez, Johnny Peralta, uh, Carmona, mm-hmm. uh, his track record. His run there of like five-figure signing bonuses was pretty unbelievable. You, you talk about uh, we've had a lot of questions about like scouts who had an impact on an organization Rene Gallo was a guy who, for a limited budget, Sal Agustinelli is another one with the Phillies who have produced a lot of bang for not a lot of bucks. And the Rockies, I mean, the Rockies are more of a mid-market right. team and or mid-budget team this year, but uh, it's it's impossible to argue with with what they've done. But and you got, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to the the owners of uh, of these clubs too. I mean, look at you know the Pirates; they brought in new ownership and, and they're point. building this new academy, and they're backing up. They spent more money on amateur bonuses than anybody last year, including the draft and right. the international, and they're willing to give, you know, you can have, there's a lot of great scouts in Latin America who just don't have the money to go out and spend players, and <laughs> I know because, you know, they talk to me, right. and it's it's <laughs> it's awesome, and I, I appreciate it, but, uh, you know, and a lot of the times it turns out everything they say is right, but they just don't have the money to go out and sign these players because they don't have... You know, ownership in some of these cases, and some of them are, you know, in Washington's case, I understand why you'd be very hesitant to, Absolutely. Uh, you know, they have, you know, it's probably one of the richest owners in the game. He is. He is he the is. richest owner in the game. And But I would be very hesitant to spend more than a million dollars, which they didn't do, uh, you know, obviously with UNESCO Maya being a Cuban defector, a bit of a right. different situation. But for these, they don't want to get burned like they did with uh, Ismail and Gonzalez. They want to take their time and you know, build the infrastructure and build the right systems, get the right people in place that they can trust. It's amazing the bottom of your list, the bottom five organizations, Ben, on this list, they all have a, a, a – it's an easy reason to understand why they don't spend a lot internationally. The Dodgers are at 30, which is kind of sad in a way. I'm not a Dodgers fan or anything, but the organization of the O'Malley's, the organization that pioneered international baseball, that started the kick of Japanese big league players coming to the United States major leagues with Domo, um, you know, signed Chan Ho Park out of Korea, opened that market up. Uh, Hong Chi Kuo, I think, is still the biggest bonus out of Taiwan, isn't it? $2 million? It's up there, yeah. I mean, uh, so they've been, they were pioneers in the Far East. They were obvious pioneers in Latin America back in the day. And now, because of the McCourt's ownership and lack of cash flow, uh, and they still are having some modest success with Latin American players. See Ruby De La Rosa. Basically, they're they're limited to signing guys. They can't sign anyone when they're 16, pretty much, right? Because they're they would they would basically blow their entire budget on one 16 year old player if they were in the mix for top 16 year olds, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, you, you can sign 16 year old players for you know thirty forty thousand dollars still, but uh, you, you just have to find the ones who uh, maybe are. Less visible, don't all have yeah. don't have proper representation, or yeah, or guys who are just really, really raw. Yeah, and you hope you can uh, develop them. But we're talking about raw by a sixteen-year-old Dominican standard. There's right. a whole different category of raw 
than other players. And they, they can do that, but so can the Yankees and so can the Mariners, and Correct. they're doing that, and they're coming up with, you know, Michael Pineda, and they're coming up with guys like that in addition to the guys Great point. that they're signing for a lot of money, like Felix Hernandez. Pineda had the lowest signing bonus, I believe, of any player on the top 100. Yeah, or second lowest. after second De La Rosa, lowest. right. That's right, that's right. So, I mean, you can have De La Rosa. I mean, they signed Carlos Santana. Um, to give him credit for that, at sure, least. But, sure. uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to compete. I mean, the market has changed so much that you know, like we talked about, you know, the, the Indians used to sign, um, you know, they got all these players right. for a very small amount of money. Right. But now the market's changed, and you look at you know what the Pirates did before ownership became more heavily involved in financing and and. Putting the resources in the McClatchy regime, yeah, and, and you know when when new ownership came in and, and starts building the academy and starts putting more money and resources into being able to into, for signing bonuses for these players, all of a sudden you know we don't judge players by the money, but there is a <laughs> the better players typically are going to get more money. It doesn't quite always work that way. There's some right. funny things that go on. In, there's some Noah Pineda the, things that happen. <laughs> yeah, there's some funny things that go on in the market down there, but uh, it certainly helps to be able to to be able to still find those bargains, but also have the money that when you really like a player who is visible and, and has a good agent and, and understands the player's market value, to be able to go out and still sign that player, uh, you know, like a Snow or a Heredia right. Or Castillo yeah. or Pagaro. It had to be in the mix for those players. Yeah. I mean, 50 of our top 100 players signed for seven figure signing bonuses. And that's counting the, the Latin American players and the drafted players. So, um, I think we talked about the Dodgers just really aren't in that mix for those top dollar players. Neither are the White Sox. The White Sox also, uh, been down here at the bottom with the, with the Dodgers. Obvious reason for that with Dave Wilder, the scandal he was involved with, uh, you know, coming back from Latin America, there's been arrests there, federal counts. You have the Angels at 28 uh, with Clay Daniel. Was there a scouting director? He also lost his position. Um, so it, it's understandable. Again, they're, they're both starting from scratch. The Giants and the Nationals, the next two teams at 26-25, Giants with their highest dollar signing bonus at the time was ever Angel Villalona. He's in prison or awaiting trial in the Dominican Republic. And the Nationals, like we mentioned, with Smiley Gonzalez. So... There's five teams at the bottom. The one that's the most startling to me still is the Dodgers. I mean, their history is so strong internationally. Uh, do you have any – I guess which of those five clubs – do you think any of those five clubs have a chance to get back into being players? Any indication any of those clubs are going to be players again yeah, anytime soon? Yeah, I think the Giants will be, and I think they kind of already have started so this year. They're, they've made some signings. They signed Simone Mercedes, who is uh, – let's see, now he's he's 19 years old. Uh, he also aged a couple of years overnight <laughs> okay. because he was a guy who was uh, suspended for a year because he used to be Jeffrey Tapia, and now he's Simone Mercedes, and uh, you can't do that, obviously. <laughs> and he, uh, you know, but he he's a guy who has now stuff, you know, sitting low 90s up to, I think, 94, 95 with, you know, legitimate now above-average breaking ball. Uh, that's got some depth and some sharpness to it. They gave him $400,000. I think it's that deal's probably still contingent upon him, you know, getting his visa, as all right. these, you know, higher dollar uh, players are. So I think you're going to see the Giants. I I wouldn't I probably wouldn't be surprised if they'd already spent more this year uh, on international players than they did, you know, all of uh, all of last year. So I don't I don't I think that's more of just a uh, a one year blip where and, and and it was a down year for talent. I think overall, 
if you're looking right. at the top end of the market. So you know, there's was... there's no reason to you know <laughs> there's no reason to pay two million dollars to a guy who you think is worth you know a million or right. a million to a guy you think is worth three hundred thousand dollars. It just that's, that's one of the things that is so amazing about the Yankees being second in spending this year. I mean, the Yankees they have the resources, like you said, they have a long track record of being active internationally. But I remember talking to the you know Yankees officials while doing the top thirty, and and, and you've spoken with Yankees officials as well on this. And this was not a big year, and they went more for athletes in the draft in 2010, and they usually have. Whereas, as a matter of course, in the last decade, the Yankees have looked to Latin America for players up the middle, catchers, shortstops, center fielders, and some power arms. But they've really done a better job of that in the draft lately, especially last year. They went very heavy for athletes, Cito Culver, Mason Williams, Angelo Gums. And part of the reason, they said, was they didn't see those caliber of athletes in Latin America in 2010. Mm. Yet they still spent the second largest amount of money. But it was really on power arms for them. It seems like the guys who did, even in a shallower talent pool, there was still a lot of money spent in Latin America. And the biggest things, as usual, that the, the biggest the players who drew those big bonuses were the power arms and the power bats. Is that... That's usually the constant, is it not? Yeah, I mean, power power is a very easy tool to see. So, uh, you know, when you have a guy like Ariel Ovando hitting balls out to every field in batting practice, it's it's pretty obvious that he's, you know, and you see his size, his bat speed, the leverage extension that he gets in his swing. Right. You know, that's just an obvious tool, something like that, or, or speed or, or arm strength. Um, so, yeah, if you have a, a big power you know, Phillips Castillo is another guy who has big power. It sounds like uh, maybe his hit tools a little bit uh, more advanced. But uh, yeah, you got some guys with some big power who got uh, a lot of money, and 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 yeah, and certainly some power arms. Cardona mm-hmm. signing with the the Blue Jays, being able to touch ninety three or ninety four. I think it's uh, it on Heredia. Oh, yeah, Heredia, Heredia. Like power arm, and also some feel for pitch. It seems. Like. Yeah, Heredia definitely has more feel for uh, for pitching. I would say than Cardona. That's that's certainly the consensus. I think Heredia could be a power arm, but you know, even if he doesn't fill out, although and and gain velocity, although being someone who just he's going to play the entire season almost next year at sixteen, as, at 16 yeah. in the Gulf Coast League. And he's already touching 94, 95 in instructional league. And he's which like is, 6'2", 165, something like that. You know, he's, I mean, he signed it, I think, 6'5". Oh, wow. Okay. And now he's, you know, 6'6". Six, six. Uh, you know, when he signed, he, he was, uh, he <laughs> he had almost no strength, it sounded like. He was just going off natural arm speed to generate that kind of velocity, which wow. is even more incredible. Now he starts eating a little bit more and, and working out and, uh, you know, be, be, being 16 is like uh, almost like natural steroids. Yeah, which, exactly. Uh, just because of how much that's what you your, know, the body's, in your body is. That, yeah. That's it. That's that, that's exactly right. Um, so the, you know, his velocity could take off, but at the same time, you know, even if he's you know, ju- just low 90, even even if he just right. has a plus fastball, um, in terms of his velocity, he's still a guy who has. You know, he casts his curveball a little bit sometimes, but he's got feel for his his secondary pitches, feel for his changeup. Spins, he spins a breaking yeah. ball. It sounds like his changeup is very advanced for a 16 year old from anywhere, no matter international or domestic. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was pitching, you know, in games pretty regularly uh, for his uh, for his team over there. So he's a guy who's got some feel and some experience, uh, even at 16. Um, so he's definitely a guy who's got a combination of you know, as much polish as you can call for a 16-year-old, he has that, and he has the upside uh, to p- 
potentially be a power, uh, you know, top of the rotation kind of arm, but he's still 16. Yeah, he's he's more than he's more than a power. He's he's pretty intriguing because he's a power arm who's more than a power arm. I guess is the a way to put that. Uh, speaking of Heredia and Ovano, those are the two uh, tied for second largest bonus. Both of them, I guess, at two point six million dollars, right in that range. Um, Tim Stevens on our Facebook page is a good question that kind of ties into both those players. Um, how difficult is it for a franchise to establish credibility internationally so it can compete with teams such as the Mariners, Red Sox, Yankees, Braves, and, this, and Tim includes the Reds? You know, I don't think of the Reds of that same caliber or international organization as the, the first four, but it seems like the number one way that teams try to establish themselves, Ben, is make that statement signing. I guess that's part of it, but there has to be some other follow-up with that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh... You know, if if you have if you have money, teams will uh, teams are very willing to show you their their players, no problem. I mean, it's uh, m- maybe teams make statement signings. Uh, you know, they don't seem like they always work. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say their their chances of working are like twenty five percent. I mean, the I'm thinking of the Smiley Gonzalez signing. I'm thinking of uh, who was the right hand of the Brewers signed. Rolando Pasqual. That's right. Rolando yeah. Pasqual was kind of a statement signing. Um, you know, even the Mets. Uh, Fernando Martinez and Diolas Guerra in 2005 are kind of statement signings. I mean, that was, doesn't mean that their their bonuses weren't legit. They weren't good players. You know, they signed for a combined $2 million. But you know, the Mets really made a big deal out of those signings. Ariel Ovando, yeah, the press release, as we've talked about, the Astros put out with you know six or four, five, six scouting reports that their scouts had turned in. It seemed like they really wanted to make a statement as well on that. Again, he's a legitimate player. Like we're talking about, his power is... Uh, big time power, but it seems like there has to be more than just throwing money at a player. Uh, there has to be follow up with these other things we're talking about, right? Yeah, I think it's um, you know if if you if you're willing to offer a guy a million dollars, teams will or agents and, and trainers are willing to listen to you. You know if if the Marlins wanted to offer somebody eight hundred thousand dollars tomorrow for to to sign with them, and that was the highest offer that anyone was offering, right? That I'm sure the agent or, or the trainer would take it. Making it doesn't really matter what your, yeah. you know, your history is. I would say with, uh, you know, past signings. But uh, you know where it comes into play is, you know, it's it's around July second. It's you're talking about June, and you want to be able to to see a guy, but especially a pitcher. Well, <laughs> you, your pitcher can't throw every day, right? Leading right. up to July second, sometimes they do, and that's why some of these guys' velocities are are all <laughs> over the place, and they just get run down. Uh, especially in June, uh, or or maybe right after July, if, uh, you know July second, if they haven't signed yet. Right. So, you know, if if you're you know the Yankees or the Mariners, and you know teams know you have a lot of money to spend, uh, maybe they'll send you, and you say we want to see this picture of yours again. You're probably if you're an agent, you're probably going to say, yeah, let's let's, you can see him, sure, no problem, absolutely. Whereas if the you know one of these teams at the bottom wants to see him, you're probably going to say, well, why would I do that when, you know, there's more financial upside for me to show this pitcher to, you know, one of these, you know, bigger spenders in the market right. where I can maybe make more money having them be seen. But, um, yeah, the statement signings, I don't know. Usually the statement is just, you know, we're willing to throw away some, some of our money, <laughs> it seems like, with some of these guys. Cause, that's, uh, that's been the history. I yeah. think you're right about that. Uh, you know more about it than I do, but I agree with you. That's been the that's the track record. It seems like of those statement signings. Got a couple more um, uh, questions here on Twitter as well. 
Uh, J.D. Iglesias uh, asks at Baseball America, I heard any word from scouts on Carlos Martinez's bullpen, bullpen sessions this spring? Carlos Martinez is the Cardinals right-hander who was what, Carlos Matias was his name previously? Yeah, he was Carlos Matias. He had signed with the Red Sox. He was, uh, you know, an interesting guy, but nothing like he is now. All He got suspended and then becomes, you know, that. so that contract is, you know, right. boy, he doesn't get his bonus. So he just he's and, working but then out. he becomes also becomes a free agent. Right. So he's suspended, but he's a free agent. You know, he can and he can sign once he, his suspension is over. And by the time his suspension is over, he's throwing up to ninety nine miles an hour. And now we've had a spate control. of these, and we've had a spate of these players. Yeah. Who have improved their stock essentially after being suspended for a year? And it's it's, I think Dominican law might be something that plays into it. It tends to be very. Uh, hmm. I guess pro worker, if you could call it, or, or in effect anti team. Okay. Because uh, it's it's kind of ridiculous that Carlos Martinez can sign with the Red Sox and then basically lie to them about his uh, his oh, something very fundamental. Yeah, they're lying. He's lying about his. He gives them fake paperwork. It's fraud. Yeah, it's he's fraud. committing fraud. He's attempting to defraud the Red Sox <laughs> and. Defraud the U.S. government and in, in turn, when, when he tries to get his visa, <laughs> his work visa to come over, yeah, uh, which you know, Not last, I, last I checked, those are those are felonies. Not insignificant. So you know he's committing, you know, he's committing fraud, and then he's getting suspended. But the Red Sox, he's allowed to benefit from that. The Red Sox, you know, in my opinion, the Red Sox should have, you know, the right of, of first refusal, and it's I something agree. that's been brought up to uh, to MLB teams. Don't like that rule. That because when know, they you... sign these guys, Ben, they're not just signing them. They've worked these players out. And in many cases, they've there's been some instruction involved there. Correct. I mean, at, at the very least, with all these clubs, when you're when you work these players out, you're not working them out with one scout or two scouts. There's there's some especially a guy who's getting a decent amount of investment. There's some coaches involved there, is there not? Oh yeah, and, and guys have benefited from you know <laughs> working out with coaches. In uh, you know Martinez played in the Dominican Summer League. There's other guys who played in the Dominican Summer League too before their contracts were approved, which was allowed until this year. Now that rule's been Scrapped. overturned. Okay. Uh, who've benefited and, and their velocity's gone up. And then MLB says, "Well, actually, we went and found out that you're lying about your age, so you're suspended." But uh, oh, the good thing for you is now you're throwing 94 instead of 88. So and now you're a free agent. Yeah. So now your value is going to be even higher when your suspension is over. That's, so it's it's kind of ridiculous. I'm not saying the Cardinals did the Cardinals did everything look perfectly by the book. And Absolutely. They did their homework, and you know you look at some of the money. You know Michael Anoa got you know 4.25 million dollars, and he was you know a great arm at the time, but he was thrown up to 94. Cardona gets two point. You know, eight million dollars. He was up to ninety-three when he signs. Then you have Carlos Martinez, who's throwing ninety-nine and and hit a hundred in in instructs. And he's their th- Dominican instructional league, and he signs for one point five. So it was a outstanding signing by the Cardinals. They didn't do anything wrong, and they you know they deserve to. Uh, you know they 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 did everything right, the but system, the, the Red Sox is, also yeah. did everything right. That's right. And now Martinez is saying he, he comes out with a, what a different. A different name, but not a different age, and he still, and 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 he and the Red Sox lose out on that. I mean, he wasn't lying. <laughs> he, I I I would be surprised if he was only uh, if he only had a different 
uh, identity. Correct. But uh, that's a fair I, assumption. Yeah, he's. Uh, but you know, he, he's a tremendous pitcher, and and the Cardinals have a tremendous arm. But if I was the Red Sox, I would, uh, you know, and, and I imagine they're not too happy about uh, that situation. So it's it's a rule that uh, I think a lot of teams wish was was different, where players should not be allowed. You know, it's a good rule. They just starting they just started suspending players. Uh, that with this rule, I think it was uh, it'll be in May 2008, so almost three years ago, they just started doing it, and they really just started overhauling their investigations. Right. So to to you know to put some muscle behind it, they put the suspensions in there, and that that's a good thing that there's punishments for players who are you know attempting to defraud Major League Baseball out of you know when you add it all up, you know tens of millions of dollars. Right. Sometimes it's uh. Yeah, that's a good thing, but players shouldn't be able to benefit from the fraud. I like your idea. The, and te- teams shouldn't suffer for, you know, they're, maybe the Red Sox didn't pay the bonus to Martin. They didn't have to pay the bonus, but, you know, there's $160,000 of your budget that's at least tied up right. while he's being investigated. And there goes all of your time and and resources that you spent and energy spent scouting this player. Right. That you could have spent, you know, you could have on spent your time on, on somebody else. I like the idea of right, that, that team that had the first, where the first contract voided the suspension. That team has that right of first refusal, basically, and uh, that you know, or that team has that player's rights. You know, for who knows? I don't know how you can uh, get around that. Maybe those rights shouldn't extend in perpetuity, but uh, there's got to be some better way than what they're doing right now. A lot of these, but we've, as we've seen in the draft, anytime you try to address one thing. Some unintended consequences are going to pop up. That's elsewhere. what happened here. That's yeah. a, that's that is exactly what happened here. One more uh, email question on the on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us at, at Baseball America from Appy Astros. Uh, you you mentioned aside from Avando at the uh, Astros had some signings. I, I'm remembering a pitcher named Felix. His name's popping into my head. I thought his last name was they had the, uh, Michael Feliz. Yeah, uh, Feliz. I'm sorry. They signed uh, Hieronimo Franzua for. Quarter of a million dollars. Anybody else uh, from that pool, the non-Ovando pool, stick out for you with the Astros, or is that going to be, maybe, or maybe someone from their DSL or VSL teams? Like we yeah, they about signed. Uh, you know, Feliz is an interesting guy. Uh, you know, it's interesting. He was a guy who was suspended. He's he signed with Oakland for eight hundred thousand, and then he <laughs> tested positive for steroids. So, <laughs> you know, laugh. it doesn't it it doesn't mean it doesn't mean he can't pitch. It doesn't mean he's you know, a bad guy or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but right. just from you're not signing him to help your Gulf Coast League team in you know next year win games. Right. You're signing a kid to help you hopefully win games at the major league level in you know five to ten years or so. Right. So my concern is that if you give a kid, you know, if you're a 25-year-old man or a 30-year-old man and you take steroids, right. that has a different effect on your body than if you're 16 years old and you're just being given steroids with no thought to how... Just the, that you're giving a 16-year-old kid steroids in the first place, a right. 16-year-old body right. is not meant to to have steroids. It doesn't really need them, yeah, like it, you said. Yeah. Natural, that's when your body's naturally producing I'm sure. wads of testosterone. Yeah, it was certainly a, can be a problem for... Uh, <laughs> I remember what I was like when I was 16, just natural <laughs> testosterone. Uh, yeah. Certainly, uh, but, uh, but yeah, when, and, and with no... And it's being just given to these kids with no thought for, well, what are you going to do after you take steroids? The reason Manny Ramirez got caught 
on his steroid test is because of the hormones that he was taking after he took the steroids, right. his, after his uh, cycle of steroids, to make sure that his health up. would be, you know, to minimize side effects, to maintain the gains that he had from, you know, the steroid use. So you don't have to but, keep yeah. on cycling to try to basically equalize. His yeah, body. I mean, you, what you do is you take the steroids and then you have a, you know, you take other hormones to, you know, make sure that you don't kind of crash and, uh, you know, have a lot of uh, negative side effects afterwards. Whereas the these kids are being given steroids at 16, and then they sign, and then you know they get their money. And what do the trainers care after that? Right. You know, they're, they're, if they're going to give them steroids once they sign, they're not going to give them you know the other stuff that they're going to need to come down off of them. And uh, so, so what I'm concerned about is some of the long-term health ramifications. You know, obviously on a personal level for these kids, but if you're thinking about it from a team perspective, well, what's going to happen to their, right. you know, not just their joints and their tendons down the road, but their internal organs <laughs> yeah. that are going to be damaged when you're going to need these guys to play for you when they're in their 20s even. It could be, uh, you know, it could be some serious health setbacks down the road. So obviously from a personal level, we, we care about these kids, but... From a performance standpoint, if, if from the team's perspective, you have to be worried about what that's gonna ha- what's gonna happen to their their bodies. Uh, yeah, the, con- the connective tissue. And you need tissue, them to pitch for your major the, league team. Just the fact that those players are at 16, there's so much growth that your body's still gonna go through. You're going from a boy to a man. Yeah. And uh, the damage that can be done to connective tissue, to muscles, to your heart, yeah, to your uh, yeah, internal yeah, organs, like your it's, brain. It's it's unbelievable. Um, and like you said, also, this is not like steroids from your local dude down at the GNC or at the gym. This is they're a little bit different in the Dominican. I mean, my, the reputation is these aren't always the cleanest uh, operations either. The cleanest drugs. But it's the whole the whole thing is yeah really, no, no one's getting it from Balco. Let's, that's right, that's right. This is not the cream in the clear. This is not designer. No, but so. I mean, but Feliz is an interesting arm. He was he was up to I think ninety three or so. I think we have it in uh, on a report online. But you know he wasn't bef- while he was on steroids or before he tested positive for steroids, and then after it he's you know not throwing quite as hard. Surprise, surprise. But. Right. Uh, he still, I, I think, once he fills out, he's got a big frame. He's got feel for a breaking ball, so he's got he's got projectable stuff. He's got projectable size. He could be interesting. Uh, the guy I, I really like on that staff, though, or, or the guy I should say that I really man. liked in that uh, of their signings last year was uh, <clears throat> a guy we mentioned before, Jose Montero. Okay. You know, I think he's going to be one of the uh, uh, the better arms in the Gulf Coast League next year. Assuming he's going to you know pitch in the GCL. Because uh, you know he he had he was a big big signing. He was you know, three hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money to give an arm down there, and uh, you know he's you know eighty nine ninety three good slider. He's got some sink on the ball. He throws strikes. He knows how to attack hitters. You know he's gonna have to bring his changeup along, but uh, I would say that's the case for ninety five percent of uh, of uh, you know kids in that league. So, but uh, I think he's a guy who. If I'm looking at that, you know, Francois is an interesting arm from from the left side, uh, but Montero for me is probably the uh, the best of that group. 
and uh, in good timing for him because the Jesus Montero is going to go to the, graduate to the big leagues this year. So maybe uh, Jose Montero. Montero becomes the the best Montero left in the minor leagues. Uh, ben Badler dropping mad knowledge on the Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel making uh, 20-year-old hackneyed hip-hop references. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other uh, just interesting players from this class of 2010, Ben. Um, I think the kind of the white whale of the 2010 class was Edward Salcedo. I mean, uh, he's kind of been an internal joke here in the office, like a ghost of a, of a, of a player. Did he really exist? Uh, that kind of thing. He's been really on the map. It seems like since, what, 2007, 2008? Was it 08 when he first, his name first popped up? Yeah, he, uh, you know, he reportedly had a uh, $2.9 million deal with the Indians, which at the time, in 2008, I think it was, which at the time was that been a, know, record, a landmark bonus. I mean, this was, you can look at some of the uh, the top bonuses of, of all time, Anoa, Sano, uh, Sanchez, uh, you know what Wagner Mateo would have been, right, uh, right? You know, in Cardona now, you know, those have been all since that. <laughs> that three million dollars had not been pierced. I don't believe at yeah. that time. So, so and, that and, and the record. Indians said, uh, you know, the Indians didn't didn't comment on it. That's you know, that's their policy. But uh, you know, he was with with Boris and his his agency. Uh, you know, recently acknowledged it publicly in print, which you know I had never seen uh, them do publicly. So, uh, you know, there was. Uh, he was certainly a high-profile player. Uh, there were some a lot of questions about his age, and you know he, he's still using the same age he he was given teams back then, and, and the uh, same name. Both yeah. those are both good signs. So he uh, you know he, he switched agents. Uh, you know he went to join uh, the Born to Play Academy with Edgar Mercedes, and you know just like that he gets his uh, all his paperwork cleared up. So uh, and and is allowed to uh, sign. MLB says he's a free agent. So. It's uh, and he signs for 1.6 with with the Braves, who uh, you know have never spent that much money before on an international amateur player in uh, in Latin America. So that's amazing. He's got uh, he he's got ceiling. He's got he's got bat speed and and raw power. Uh, not really sure why they jumped him from the DSL to Rome. South Atlantic League. Yeah. You know, I talked to some pro scouts who saw him there and. You know they, you know a lot of them like to ask me about the the Latin players, but uh, they were they were kind of surprised at how raw he was, and you can see that in in the numbers both offensively and defensively. Um, you know I, I think I would have liked to have seen what he could have done in the the Gulf Coast League, but he's a guy who just, you know, uh, you know from what I was from my understanding, he, he kind of questioned whether he even wanted to play baseball. I mean he's just sitting around the DR for two years. All he wants to do is play baseball and, and get signed. And uh, he, he just can't sign with a major league team he's, he, <laughs> because uh, they won't let him. And, uh, you know, he wasn't really in playing shape. They had to work him and, and work him out, get him back into baseball shape. Um, and, and it's not like they play a ton of game situations down there anyway. A lot of them are still pretty raw. So, you know, I think he's still raw. And, you know, he, he's a little, he's not 16 anymore. He's, he's right. 18, but yeah, it'll be 20 actually yeah. in July this year. So, so it's it, you know, it's it's not like he's an old man by any means. It's still still young, but uh, you know, he's got some upside. Uh, I don't think he's going to play shortstop. I think he probably moves over to third base, maybe right field. Uh, but you know, there's offensive upside there. I don't think he's like a Miguel Sano type right. of player, but uh, you know, there's there's the tools are are certainly there. He's just uh, raw, and I think he's going to benefit from being able to play baseball, uh, and benefit certainly from you know the Braves do a nice job with their development staff and, and developing 
you know, teaching hitters. Obviously, not that they're, you know, Hayward and, and Freeman, right. but you know, some right. guys other than that as well. But uh, yeah, but and the thing is, I almost think that's one of the reasons why the Braves were so. Uh, willing to go to great lengths to sign Salcedo is that their lower levels of their farm system are uh, very pitcher heavy. And after graduating Hayward and Freeman, there's not a lot of position player talent in the braces. And they went heavy for position players in the 2010 draft, guys like Matt Lipka, Todd Cunningham. And then again with Salcedo, I think it was really a focus for them in 2010 to go get some hitters to replenish the lower parts of their farm system. And internationally, that wasn't really the strength of the class. It seemed like it was more... Live arms, it almost seems like, were the guys who commanded the biggest bonuses as opposed to the hitters. Am I, am I reading that right as far as the strength of the class? Is it more on the pitcher tip? Yeah, and I think there were, you know, the out, some of the outfielders, and, uh, you know, there were, there were some guys who were interesting, but, uh, yeah, I think just Jim Callis and I were excited that he signed because, uh, now we don't get emails and chat <laughs> right. questions every week asking, uh, that's right, where, uh, Edward Salcedo is, uh, uh, in the world right now. I think you most, most of the questions you're getting now are from Yankee fans. Uh, Jose Rafael de Paula, uh, they just signed another player whose name is, uh, I'm blanking on. Juan from... Carlos, um, Paniagua. Okay, that's right. John Bread and Water. Right, there you go. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so two players for a combined $1.6 million, both of whom had, uh, now de Paula, had he been suspended previously or he's just older? De Paula had been suspended. You so know, both have been suspended, I guess. Yeah, both, both of those guys had been suspended. Uh, de Paula, um, you know, he's drawing interests from, you know, the Mariners and, and the Red Sox and, and the Rangers as well. Huge upside guy who has, you know, up to 96 with a good delivery and feel for his secondary stuff. You know, in two weeks, supposedly he turns, I think it's 20 years old, according to his new paperwork. Um, but he doesn't even have a visa yet, correct? He's no, still he, trying to get a work his, visa. His contract is still contingent upon his ability to get a work visa, as is uh, Paniagua's. You know, anytime, really any of these players who sign for a huge sum mm-hmm. of money, their, their contract's going to be based on their ability to secure a visa. But... Obviously, in uh, and especially in DePaula's case, um, and or any guy who's been suspended before for lying about his age and his identity, maybe it's going to be a little bit of a, a longer process involved. So, you know, I, I he signed in November. It's March now. You know, I would have been shocked if he had gone it this quickly. So, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about there, uh, uh, just based on the time frame. Right. But, uh, you know, at some point, at some point in the future, you know, we'll see uh, if if he gets his uh, visa, and if he does, uh, I'm excited to see who he does because he has uh, about as much upside as as uh, as anyone in that class. I mean, there's other kids there who signed for you know pitchers who signed for four or four fifty who you know are up to ninety two, ninety three, and it's just projection. But DePaula is a guy who. Has now stuff and, some and projection. And, oh yeah, definitely physical guy. That sounds like that's the difference with him is that he's physical enough to maintain a delivery, physical enough to maintain stuff, and that you don't have to project as much on this guy. As yeah, you do pretty clean players. mechanically, pretty clean arm action. So um, he's definitely he's a bigger guy than Paniagua or, or Carlos Martinez. Uh, doesn't throw quite as hard, but you know if you can get it up to ninety six, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some. You know, 97s or 98s in the future, but you know, even if he's just sitting, you know, 92 to 94, 91 to 94, uh, with you know 96 in his back pocket and a you know a couple of good secondary pitches and you know good delivery and right. good arm action that should lead to you know pretty good control if he can you know figure that out. It's a little you know tougher to tell sometimes when you're not 
seeing them stretched out for five and six innings, you know, regularly over games is a little harder to project. But uh, you know, he should. Uh, there's certainly a chance that he could have that. So that's certainly uh, you know a three pitch guy uh, with a good delivery, good body, good mechanics. A lot to be excited about. Absolutely. Let's 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 wrap up with a couple of. Uh... And more general questions, I guess. We've talked about the Astros and the Pirates kind of being organizations that have jumped up a little bit, made more of a presence, spent a little bit more more money, invested more in Latin America and internationally. Who's maybe is, – is there a, a club or two out there that is poised to do that in 2011, 2012? Is there somebody who's uh, on the come maybe, uh, maybe a new – has hired a couple of new scouts, trying to make more of a concerted effort in Latin America or Europe or somewhere else uh, – Maybe looking forward, who you, you know people might want to look out for in the next uh, couple of years internationally. Yeah, I think the Tigers are starting to uh, to do some more. You saw that this year they signed Danry Vasquez, a uh, Venezuelan outfielder, for 1.2 million. Um, corner outfielder guy who can uh, hit a lot, but right now he just you know all these guys for the most part just need to gain strength, and that's what's right. you know that's one of the things that's tough to project. Uh, you know, how strong is he going to get? You know, that was, uh, you know, some scouts wonder how much power he's going to have for a corner. But, you know, he can hit. He uh, should be able to, you know, he'll probably play maybe all three outfield positions just to get some experience there. But really, he's more of a corner guy uh, whose who's bat is going to have to carry him. So, but I think I think the Tigers might be a, a team like that. Uh, we talked about the Giants earlier. I think right. they're probably going to get more heavily involved uh, down the uh, down the road. Uh, you know, you saw the A's make some some strides this year. The right. Cubs are, uh, you know, starting to do. You know, they've been they've been you know in the international market all over the world really for a while. But uh, they really are kind of like yeah. a like a poor man's Mariners almost. I mean, they they really are active uh, in in many different countries. Venezuela, the Dominican, they've been very active in South Korea. I think absolutely yeah. probably probably the Trailblazers really in a lot of ways in South Korea. Um, and then how about uh, what the, we're talking about South Korea? Is there is there a next country? Is there a it seems like um, just re, you know having edited a lot of this and reading through it, it seems like Colombia is almost like the next I don't know frontier. I think for a while there in the '90s people thought maybe it would be Panama or Brazil, and Panama certainly produced some players: the Riveras, Ruben and Mariano. Well, one out of two ain't bad. Carlos Lee from Panama. I know Brazil got a lot of hype with Jose Pet. In the early 90s with the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays also uh, went to heavy in Curacao, and there was a little Curacao boom there with Andrew Jones. I mean, the, Diego, Diego Mar Marquel was a player the Blue Jays gave a lot of money to in the mid-90s who never quite panned out. But is Colombia the next country where teams are going to maybe push a little bit more into it? And I guess a, a, sort of a related question, is Venezuela a country where people are maybe backing off a little bit because of the political concerns? Um, yeah, just with with Venezuela, definitely the political and safety concerns are definitely an issue for teams. And if you want to go in and see players in the uh, the main parts of the cities there, um, certainly I think teams are willing to do that. But it's a big country, and right. to go to diverse country, yeah. And if and if you want to go to, through some of the uh, more backwoods kind of towns to find players, not every team and not every scout is is willing to do that. Understandably, I mean, your safety should come first. Right, I mean, it's right. uh, you you want to compare scouting in you know Latin America to scouting as uh, you know Georgia and, and uh, right. North Florida or whatever. It's uh, you know t- 
tell me when you're driving through Georgia and all of a sudden you get uh, pulled over and <laughs> guns pulled on you. Right, or, absolutely. Or, or, or you just get or you just get pulled over and say if you want to keep going on this road, it's going to cost you some cash. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's there's definitely safety issues there. And Columbia has always been the state. I mean, it's been a, really almost like a narco state in some ways. Um, you know, been characterized that way. But it seems like the situation there is quiet at least a little bit. There's a heavy, you know, it surpri- always surprises me, Ben, that there's so many international tournaments for, like, 16- and 18-year-olds, world youth and world junior tournaments. They're in Venezuela and, uh, you know, in Barquisimeto, which that's – is that closer to Colombia or is that on the other side? Uh, I don't know my Venezuelan geography. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're next to each other. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. I th- it just seems like there's, a, there's a, a constant flow of international teams there, um, despite the fact that the situation has become less stable – over the last decade of uh, Hugo Chavez's rule. But uh, and if it's not Colombia, what's the next country? Is there somewhere in Europe maybe that you think could be? It seems like Germany, there's some, you know, not just because of Max Kepler, but their international teams have gotten a little bit better. Kai Gronauer in the uh, mm-hmm. Mets system. It seems like there's a little bit of movement with with German players, uh, or am I reading a little too much into that? Um, yeah, I mean, Kepler certainly gonna uh, was the guy out right. of uh, Germany. Uh, you know, Colombia... Colombia is certainly interesting. What's interesting is about Colombia is that you, know, you have a guy like the the two top Colombians this year, Jose Torres, a uh, right-hander who signed with the Mariners, and <clears throat> um, uh, Alfaro, the catcher who signed right. with the Rangers, Rangers and actually, yeah. and Pedro Perez, a uh, third baseman who signed with the Mets for I think it was two hundred eighty thousand uh, or around there, and uh, you know all good players in their own right. But what's happening is agents are taking them out of Colombia and bringing them to the Dominican Republic oh, to be seen by more teams. Because really, you know, Colombia, Panama, really only half the teams or so in in the game really have any presence, any presence there, really scout. You know, I talked to some some directors about some Colombian and Panam- Panamanian players sometimes, and they're just like, yeah, you know, I'll be honest, we don't really scout those players at all. Right. I don't see them. Right. So, but you bring them to the Dominican Republic, work them out in front of you know hundreds of scouts. Every team is in the Dominican Republic. Those players are going to be seen, and their market value, you know, could increase. And I think it's you're starting to see more agents go into Colombia, and uh, and take those players, and you know, bring them along with the uh, the, the trainer system they have there. So that's th- fascinating. They're going into there. They certainly see the, the agents and and some of the trainers in the DR who have you know more resources are definitely going into Colombia and see that they definitely see that as a country. And frankly, <laughs> some of those guys are you know so, some of them know they're not scouts, but they know they know uh, <laughs> they know who's going to get money <laughs> at least, right? And they know how to find the players that the scouts are. Are looking for, and they know they know the terrain, they know the territory. So uh, they need to make money too, and they need to be. Sometimes they need to be out in front and ahead of the teams and that's ahead of MLB. So if they're going into Colombia to try to get players, you know that tells me something. You know, elsewhere, you know, we talked about South Korea. You know, look at all the success that the Cubs have had there with you know the sign this year signing Kim or last year I guess it was signing Kim before getting. Hakchuli, yep. uh, you know, he Ed, Choi ten years ago. Yeah, Ed I mean, Hakchuli as we. That's right, the muscular ref. That's right. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. So we affectionately refer to him. But, we do uh, Inter- internal uh, bad nickname of the day. But yeah, you, but I mean, like the, the Cubs have been so active, and it seems like every certain clubs have their niches. You know, for a while there, 
uh, the Angels were very active in South Korea. Uh, you saw uh, a couple pitchers. Uh, I'm forgetting the guy that we ran up our list. Uh, yeah, so young, everybody else. Young, yeah, young, young, ill, young. No, young, ill, young. That's right. Uh, Alan Matthews fave. Um, and then, like, like I said, the Blue Jays had their periods uh, where they were very active in certain countries. Um, you know, and like you said, the Twins have been very active in Europe. They've been very active in Australia. So they've really gotten much more active in Latin America, not just Sano, but uh, down the line signings as well. So, um, you know, I'm thinking of Polanco, their shortstop they signed, and also uh, Danny Santana, who they signed mm-hmm. the year before that, who they like. Uh, so it seems like the, uh, it just seems like uh, there are very few organizations, Ben. Maybe this is a good way to wrap it up. Are there any organizations that feel like they can win at the major league level consistently and, or have a good t- pipeline without tapping international market? Do you think it's even possible for a team? And like, you know, There's so much focus that's been put on the Royals. You know, the Royals' Latin efforts – don't get you know we've given them some attention, but uh, they don't get not talked about really as much because they're guys who are the double A levels. You know, the Hosmers and Mustakas have been at the draft, but their AZL team and some of their international signings the last couple of years have been extremely fruitful. I know you like some of their, some of their guys quite a bit, but is there any team that's trying to uh, have a successful farm system without going international? Do you really kind of have to involve uh, the international arm now to have a strong farm system? Um, you know, I think the <laughs> I don't know if it's by design or or what the uh, situation is, but you know there's certainly team you know the Marlins, the Orioles, you know, those teams have really never spent a lot of money on uh, on international prospects. Obviously, hasn't worked out for for the Orioles. The Marlins, another um, team that's been burned by it with guys like Abraham Nunez, and although I don't think they originally signed a lot of the age gate guys, mm-hmm. they got burned on. So I yeah, think. I mean I think that's you know that's not the only reason why the Orioles have been right. Uh, so unsuccessful over the years, but uh, if the Orioles, I don't know what their excuse is. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's not <laughs> just international. They're sticking to Greek players, I think. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's certainly teams where they just don't commit. You know, e- even the Phillies really they don't commit a lot of resources to uh, to Latin American signing bonuses, but they still produce guys like Jonathan Villar and Carlos Carrasco, Carlos Ruiz. Yeah, Carlos Ruiz, or you know, their starting catcher. Am I, am I allowed to use that, or is that patented by Jose? Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? I think Chooch has gone national. I think I think Chooch has gone crazy. Gone global. So, I think that's uh, the biggest nickname in baseball that I know of. But yeah, so you're talking about uh, yeah, the, the, there's ways to produce value for your organization without producing necessarily big leaguers. Uh, trades are definitely one of those. Yeah, and, and the majority. I mean, you look at our handbook. I think it's something like 75 or 80 percent of the players in there are uh, U.S. or, or drafted players it's mm-hmm. not it's mostly not international signings but you can gain a big leg up in international signings because you know the draft everyone gets draft picks <laughs> if you are you know you can be uh maybe you don't draft well but you're still going to get you know this right. number two or number five overall pick you're always going to have a first round pick unless you lose it for a compensation right you know generally maybe maybe some teams spend more in the back of the draft than uh, than others on some of the signability guys who fall, but every team gets draft picks. There's no rule that says you have to sign. You know, there's no floor for how much right. you can, what you have to spend. You don't have to spend a million dollars on international prospects if you don't want, which you know four or five teams showed this year. <laughs> That's right. Or if you want, you can be. You know the Yankees and the Mariners, and spend upwards of you know five million dollars. You, you can be the and A's and come and go. Times. Yeah, uh-huh. you can spend twenty times what. Uh, the uh, some of the 
you know lower level teams in the the market are doing so because the A's were a so big advantage active. to gain there. Yeah, the, the A's were so so active. They were kind of pioneers in some ways in the Dominican Republic. We had that great photo in the '80s of Sandy Alderson, a lot of other A's. Uh, you know, front office guys, A, wearing short shorts, which was hilarious, but B, <laughs> kind of like mapping out, okay, here's where we're going to build our complex and that kind of thing. And soon thereafter, you know, the A's did, they were the ones who signed uh, Santiago Garcia, back when his name was Jairo Garcia, but Miguel Tejada, obviously, they had some successes in Latin America uh, during their stretch. Uh, Tejada is obviously the most obvious one, but uh, didn't they originally sign Nelson Cruz? They had, yeah, a, they they had yeah. a Mario Encarnacion, who was an outfielder who they got some trade value out of. Jose Ortiz, the second baseman, they got, again, some trade value out of. So they had a pretty active stretch in Latin America that's dried up in the last decade, and now they're trying to kind of restart that. So. Yeah, I think they're trying to put more resources in. You can see they're signing guys in in Korea and uh, Taiwan and, you know, Dominican Republic with, you know, Vic de la Cruz and, and Venezuela with Renato Nunez and, and some other guys there. It's uh you, know, you look at their their DSL club and some of their younger Latin players, or just go, you know go, go through their go through their top thirty in the prospect right. handbook and, and find the Latin players, and you can count them on one hand. That's it. And, <laughs> and, and, and one half of them, them were acquired from other organizations. Yeah, or, or just the homegrown ones they have. I mean, there's uh, you know, I don't know if Henry Rodriguez is he still in there? Or... I think they traded him. Yeah, didn't they traded him this offseason. That's, that's right, they did. And then that's uh, the first name that comes to my mind. Though. Yeah, but other than the him, they team. have you know, you know, Michael Noah, who's right. you know. Not done by any means, but certainly not uh, hasn't progressed as they had hoped. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens when he hopefully pitches in 2012. Nine innings so far as a pro. <laughs> yeah, ten Mike innings, Lenoir. something like that. And he's you know he's going to be out all year. So it's sad, it's disappointing because he yeah. you know he was throwing 95 before he got hurt. I mean, but, you, uh, you want to see talent. You know, yeah. you but if we're baseball fans at heart, we want to see talented players play. And uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that we thought that it was it was smart to spend four and a quarter million dollars on one 16 year old Dominican player. But that doesn't mean that we were rooting for that guy to fail. We were rooting for that guy to come out and, and chuck it. And we wanted to see Michael Anoa. I and think we were, all still want to see Michael Anoa pitch. There were other teams that I, 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 I'm I convinced that would have would have wanted to sign it, that were upset that the bidding stopped at, you know, 4.25. So, uh, you know, but you look at, you know, with our farm system, there's really not a lot of Latin guys there. Look at their DSL club. You know, it's it's okay. You never know. Some of those guys might pop up, but uh, – you know, then you take a look at guys like De La Cruz and Nunez and, you know, their new, you know, Korean catching uh, sign they just made. Some of the other Latin players that they signed this year. It is. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want uh, four shot. No. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, they, they have a lot more uh, international talent that they brought in this year. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think that's probably going to improve for them uh, going forward. But, you know, it's it's not just, you know, one year. <laughs> you have to do it year after year. Which is what teams like the Yankees have done, teams right. like the Mets uh, in, in the past have done uh, to be able to continually bring along, uh, you know, international prospects. Obviously, you have a lot to say on the matter, and uh, it's kind of cool. We, I, I did not realize we were talking for an, almost an hour here, and uh, we probably could keep going on and on. But I know you have calls to make. My phone's blowing up. I have calls to make. So I think we have to have a second part with J.J. Uh, Cooper probably next week. Uh, tracking down when the American League is all over. If, you, if you're up for that, uh, I'm game. All right, Ben's game, and uh, I will be back on Monday with Aaron Fit when we wrap up a college, uh, the college weekend, and look forward to the next one. Hopefully, that'll be on Monday. We're still working out our technical issues, but I think this podcast probably going to be the one that sounds the best as far as uh, both of us being here. A couple of new pieces of equipment that we dug out of the archives, and uh, uh, feeling pretty good about the the progress of the Baseball America podcast. So, Ben, 
Great stuff. I appreciate the time. And we'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. For Ben Battler, I'm John Manuel. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.